verses 28 through 30. Verses 28 through 30. All right, so Tristan, you want to you wanna come up and read verse 28, and then Eva, you want to do 29 and 30? All right, so Tristan, I got it up here. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Good. All right, Eva. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Good. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. light. Oh, my. Um, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I have stuff planned, but I'm also like, maybe we can use the whiteboard a little bit. Make sure the young ones are tracking with us this morning. So uh, we have been talking through uh, how we undo our busy lives, right? How do we unbusy Life. We've, we've been saying that. And first and foremost, this text that was just read, what are the two things that we are first supposed to do in order to unbusy our life? Jesus says, first, come to me. And then second, what are we taking on? What does he call it? Take on my what? Yoke, right? And then learn from who? Me. Right, so Jesus is saying, come to me if you want to unbusy your life, get out of the rat race of life, get out of that. Remember, we, we, we drew it up here with this person who is like down this spiral effect of anxiety and fatigue, and that only just leads to burnout, and you're eventually like taking in way too much entertainment and way too much substance to give you the rest that only Jesus can give you. Right? And so the question that would, how do we undo this, especially in a world, remember we created those different spheres of the world that influence us. They tell us, no, you're only valuable if you're busy. Right? If you're into all the stuff, if you're doing stuff, well then you're valuable. And then of course we live in a media age where we got these goofy screens everywhere we go when we get countless information to draw on our attention. And it's even designed to be addictive. It's designed to be addictive. It's designed to grab your attention, to keep it, right? And then we live in a world that is technologically advanced, so everything is quick and easy. But in being quick and easy, has it saved us time? No, it just makes us more busy. We fill the time with more stuff to do. So we're just busying our lives with things, with distractions, with stuff. And probably to add to that, we also live in a world that values stuff. Lots of stuff. I'm bored today. I guess I'll just buy some stuff, right? Go find more stuff to entertain myself with, to feel good about, you know, whether it's new clothes or a new thing. I just need something new to just kind of, ah, I'm alive. This feels good for a moment, right? And it just becomes then an overcrowded life. Stuff requires your time and stewardship. Catch that? 
It requires time and strength. You got more stuff, that's just more stuff to take care of. Doesn't matter if it's clothes going into the drawer or just more convenient stuff in the kitchen. The more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to steward, you have to take care of. But this world says, man, you need stuff to be important, right? And so we have all these different influences from the world that are just motivating and pushing us into this anxious, fatigued, wearisome lifestyle of busyness, of hurry. And we want to break that. Jesus says, come to me. That's the beginning. But he also says, follow me. And remember, um, last week we began to consider the fact that in order to experience the life of Christ, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Christ. In order to experience the life of Christ, which Jesus says is, let's make it really big, rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. Like, in order to experience life in Christ, rest, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Christ. For Jesus to say, put, your, put my yoke upon you, which is a strange term for us, he's literally saying, come and follow me. Adopt my lifestyle. Like, let me be the model for your life. When the world is giving you all these models to be like, right? They're trying to sell you something. If you, if you buy this, it'll make you like that, right? It'll make you nice. It'll make you put together. Nobody is marketing with ugly models, right? They're saying, this is the life that you could have, so you desperately need this. Buy it, right? And it's just messing with us. It's not giving us the rest. It's not providing us the true model. Jesus is the rest. He is the model for which to follow. If you want the good life, you better be looking at Jesus. You better be adopting his lifestyle. Now, remember we talked last week, uh, that famous business principle that every system is specifically wired, it's specifically put together for the results that it, that it provides, right? So, in order to get different results, what do you have to do? Change the what? Change the system, right? You gotta change the process to get different results. And so we have today the definition of insanity is to say, I'm going to keep the same system, just hoping for different re results. That's the very definition of insanity. And spiritually, I would say the Western church is spiritually a bit insane. We think that I can keep living my life, doing this burnout process, giving in to all the values of the world. I can do that plus then have Jesus on the side and think that Jesus is going to actually transform me. He's going to give me this rest without me having to actually adopt his lifestyle. Do you catch it? That's spiritual insanity. You, you can't gain the rest. You can't gain the experience of Christ without the lifestyle. Of Christ. That's why Jesus says, do you notice if you would read through the Gospels, Jesus, Jesus is rarely saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. He's saying what? Follow me. Right? He's just saying, 
As I walk, you walk. As I do life, you do life. Follow me. In order to gain this rest, in order to break this cycle of busyness, we actually have to put on the lifestyle of Jesus. So last week we considered, are there particular rhythms to Jesus' life that is worth modeling? Right? And last week we saw that he begins his earthly ministry not by going to people, but he goes to a desert place. Right? And so we talked about solitude. Solitude is literally unplugging from life and plugging into Jesus. I'm going to step away from all the busyness, the noise, and I'm going to stand in a place of quietness so I can actually hear myself think, actually hear the demons that will be raging against me, but it's in this place of actually being still and actually facing who I am and facing the demons that are after me that I actually begin to find a place of connection with Jesus. Through the affliction comes the connection. So Jesus modeled that for us. He went to the wilderness on a regular basis to face Satan on one hand, but to face his weariness, to face the challenges that, that were around him. He would get away from the challenges to actually face the challenges, to go through affliction in order to get to connection with his father. This morning, we're not going to look at solitude. We're going to look at another S, uh, and that is Sabbath. Um, Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat. That's the, the Hebrew word. So if you've watched The Chosen, right, there's been, and if you haven't watched The Chosen, watch it. Watch it, right? That is such a good series to gain view of the life and ministry of Jesus, right? So in The Chosen, there's so many episodes where they're running around on preparation day, getting ready for Shabbat, right? So it's to go around and prepare for this time of Shabbat or Sabbath, and Shabbat means to cease, to stop. That word on the screen, that means to stop. Stop. Run, 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 run. Stop. Sabbath means to stop. It's the idea, you know, I'm always seeing things at this point through the lens of Ukraine and Russia, right? Sabbath is ceasefire. In all the worry, in all the anxiousness, in all the strategy to life, we could say it's a ceasefire. Stop. No strategizing, no moving, no worrying, no wanting, no warring. It's a ceasefire. It's a blackout time. You know, when the storm, this was like old school growing up, when the storm would hit and the electric would go out, right? His mom and dad would run around grabbing candles and we'd all be huddled there at the kitchen table. Like, what the heck do we do now? Right? Because there's a stop to life. We're not going anywhere. We're not watching anything. We're just sitting there. It's a stop. It's a, it's a blackout. We're just stopping life. That's the term here. It, it's this idea of pushing the pause button on life. And, and to stop, I, I hope you realize, this is not a rolling stop. You know, like here in Philly, I'm driving the kids to school, and everyone, it's that rolling stop. 
Not really stopping. It's a rolling stop. We got to get to where we're going. And here, Sabbath doesn't mean rolling stop. It doesn't mean merely downshifting. It is a stop. For those learning how to drive, it's making sure the back is falling, right? To come to a full stop means that the weight of the car finally falls back. You stop. That is Sabbath. We're coming to a full stop. And in Scripture, as we'll see, this Sabbath is a 24-hour stop. It's not just quick to let the next car roll through. It is a stop for 24 hours. This is the discipline. This is part of the lifestyle that we see in Jesus. A 24-hour stop to life. In Jesus' life and ministry, the Sabbath was uh, one of constant tension. And we'll get to the specifics of what the Sabbath is. But, but it was always tension around Jesus. Sabbath would come, this day of stopping would come, and there was always tension. Why? Well, because the, the rabbis began adding laws to the regulations of the Sabbath day. So as we'll see, God actually commands the Sabbath. But then in Jesus' day, it's rabbis going wrong saying they're, they're putting a fence around the command to Sabbath. And they're adding these other laws to make sure, well, you're stopping life. So, for instance, in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're walking along and they're actually pulling, perhaps, the grain of wheat, you know, that's right there on the side. They're, they're pulling it, grabbing it, maybe doing one of these numbers, you know, to get the chaff off the, the wheat heads, you know. And they're, they're munching on some grain as they're walking. It's our modern-day equivalent to, I stopped at Wawa to get... I needed a cup of coffee. I needed a little nourishment. It's as I'm going somewhere, I'm, I'm just grabbing a little extra. Of course, the Pharisees see this happening with Jesus and his disciples. They freak out. They're accusing him. You're not supposed to harvest on Sabbath. This is the regulations that have been set so that your life is coming to a halt. And Jesus says something profound. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Do you catch that? The Sabbath was made for who? Man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, this full-on stop to life was made for whose well-being? Our well-being. It was intended to actually serve us. The stop to life was intended to serve us. It was intended to bless us. It was, we could say, a love offering from God himself. That he would say, child of mine, stop your life for 24 hours. It wasn't to be some hard and heavy religious burden that the Pharisees were making it. But neither was this blessing to be dispensable. 
It was not to be dispensable. It was not to be negotiable. In Jesus' day, the Sabbath became, we could say, a legalistic thing. Today, I'll just say it, it's a negotiable thing. Today, we may take off a day, you know, from work, sure, you know, maybe even go to church. There's not other things happening. But that actually is not Sabbath. Sabbath is not just taking a vacation. Sabbath is not just showing up to church. Uh, Sabbath is not just having a day to kind of take it easy. John Comer, if you remember the book that I've been sharing, he writes this. He says, the Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-driven West. The result, our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as a vital element of Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. The Sabbath is a full-on stop to life that God made to bless you with. Sabbath is not, again, just stopping life, slowing down life. The Sabbath is not just errand day where I get all my stuff done the Sabbath is where I do none of that, ultimately, to focus on God himself. It is to run after God, seeking delight, satisfaction, rest in him. Now, how? What, maybe, we can ask, maybe we can question it this way. What exactly is the Sabbath for? We get, okay, there's something in Scripture that's telling us to stop, stop for 24 hours, but for what aim, what specific purpose? What, what does God intend for us to accomplish? What's the purpose of the stop? If we would rewind all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, we go to Genesis chapter 2. If Genesis chapter 2, by then God has created all things, and in Genesis 2 it states this, verses 1 through 3. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. God created all things. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he what? Rested, rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, God what? Rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So do you catch it? Repeated words are important words. Verse 2, God rested. Verse 3, God rested. God made the seventh day, the Sabbath day, the stop day for what? Rest. Rest. I hear you, Juds. Rest. Isaac, I hear you, Isaac. You better step it up, Juds. Uh, we, we see this, then, um, God, did God need rest? No, God doesn't, God doesn't need rest, but remember who the Sabbath was made for. Who? Man, right? So God makes this time of rest, not for himself, but 
for us. And so you even see within the storyline, Adam and Eve, they're, they're king and queen of creation, right? And so for six days a week, they are to co-labor with God to see his purposes realized throughout the world. But on the seventh day, what are they to do? Rest. They are to co-labor with God for six days. And check it out, co-rest with God for one day. Co-labor, six, co-labor, or co-rest, one. They were to co-labor with God six days, co-rest with him on the seventh day. It's that God infused in this uh, day of rest. He infused this day of rest into all of creation. Again, not because God needed rest, but because man needed rest, and God wanted to be the intimate satisfaction of that rest. You see? He designed it because he wants connection with us, right? It's seen further in, in verse uh, 3 of that text that God blesses the seventh day and he made it holy. In, in the creation narrative, God blesses three things. He blesses animals who reproduce. He blesses humanity who reproduces. And he blesses the Sabbath. You catch the idea there? He blesses procreate. He blesses what can procreate, what can bring about life. He blesses the animals, he blesses the humans, and then he blesses this day of Sabbath because it's this day of Sabbath that he intends to infuse life into that day. In the day of stop, God says, I'm going to be there to grant life to you. I'm going to impart something of rest to your souls. He blesses the Sabbath day, but then he makes it holy, right? Holy, we, it's a very familiar term. It's to set apart, it's to consecrate, it's to designate, right? So John Comer in that book, he says, he points out, isn't this so weird? He says, God makes a time period holy. You know, usually we think of holy things, you know, it's the holy temple, it's the place of the gods, that's the holy sacred space, right? It's not space, it's not a place, it's a time. It, it, it's, it is the minute hand, the stroke of the minute hand that God says, at this point, at this time, I am making this holy. It's going to be designated, which means this, that God isn't interested necessarily in some a spiritual place for you to go. The whole idea is that God is actually coming into time. He's, he's saying, I will be in that moment of time because I'm designating it as holy. I'm designating as that place in which I might bless my child. So John Comer writes, if you fight the Sabbath, you fight God. You fight God you fight your own soul. You make the Sabbath, as the Pharisees did, you make the Sabbath a legalistic burden, just something you have to do, or you make a, a, a negotiable suggestion, and you fail to make it a vital blessing from God, you do damage to your own soul. 
The Sabbath is a blessing of rest from God to be experienced with God. Once again, this is not just a day off. It's not a vacation. It's not your errand day. It's where all of life comes to a screeching halt so that you might delight in and find rest with God. The Sabbath is a blessing of rest. Second, it's a blessing of resistance. All right. It's a blessing of resistance. As you may know, the Sabbath is something that eventually then, you know, God wires it into all of creation. But then by Exodus chapter 20, God commands it. He commands Sabbath. Notice Exodus chapter 20. It reads this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days, you shall labor, you shall do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath, and you should Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or even your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For the six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is a command. This is no longer just, oh, I've infused it into all of creation as a rhythm that we are to adopt in our own lives, but God now commands the Sabbath. Why did he have to throw it into the Ten Commandments? I mean, this is right next to don't murder. You catch it? Like, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't worship other gods, and oh, by the way, make sure you're taking a 24-hour stop to life. He commands it. Why would God have to command a 24-hour stop to life? Well, notice the phrases in that scripture. He says, remember it and keep it holy. To be commanded to remember something assumes that there's going to be a propensity to do what? Forget it, right? To be commanded to keep the Sabbath holy or designated to the Lord assumes there's going to be a propensity to neglect the Sabbath. Do you catch it? Let me just ask you, what happened between Genesis 2 and Exodus 20? Genesis 2, you get to Genesis 3, do things turn out well? <laughs> no, Adam and Eve, they're saying, no, we, we got this life on our, God, we don't need you, we don't need your ways, you know, we'll figure this out on our own. Sin happened between Genesis 2 and Exodus 20. And remember, sin by definition is seeking satisfaction in anything less than God. Seeking, oh, maybe I could say ultimate satisfaction in anything less than God. Remember, you were made for God. Your heart has endless, infinite desire because you were made for an infinite God. You have infinite desire because you have been made for an infinite God. So when God then is dethroned from our lives, when we decide like Adam and Eve to do life on our own, our hearts then are left to run amok with endless desires, endless wants to all that the world would give us. 
Our hearts run amok, and the world loves to capitalize on our desires, right? Do you know, just reading through this particular book that I've been suggesting, do you know that the average person encounters 4,000 marketing ads in a single day? It's weather online, driving down 95, you know, we're constantly being baited with stuff. Doesn't your heart want? Well, here it is. <laughs> here it is. You can get it right here, right here, right here. Right? Do you know that today storage units are a 38 plus billion dollar industry in America? Which means, is the stuff satisfying us? No. <laughs> we take it in, we enjoy it for a moment, and like a little child getting the, the Christmas gifts by the next day, they just want something else. Their hearts are never satisfied. Like Augustine says, the great, you know, old uh, patriarch of the church, right? He, he says, we were made for God and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We will be going to stuff, stuff, stuff to satisfy endlessly, just busying our life in the rat race to gain, 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 to keep up, to be distracted, coping with all the anxiety and fatigue that goes with it, all in, in the meantime, neglecting what God has put before us, that we need a halt, stop to life. We need to stop, slow down, and actually spend, as the Bible suggests, a 24-hour period to place my heart's affection upon the Lord. Stuff ain't going to give you rest. Relationships aren't going to give you rest. More achievements in the workplace aren't going to give you rest. There's one who gives rest, and it's Jesus. So God says, put a stop to life so you can actually place your affection on me so I can actually invade your space, so to speak, and provide what your heart so desperately needs. Rest. The Sabbath, therein, is a blessing of resistance. It keeps you from the cycle of want, that terrible black hole of want that's never satisfied. The Sabbath is a blessing of resistance. It causes us to stop. But we should also note that the Sabbath is is actually commanded again in Deuteronomy chapter 15. There's an added phrase to the command. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Remember, it's the God's people have just been brought out with a miraculous hand, right? They've been brought out of Egypt. They're now in the wilderness wandering uh, place. And God says, verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord God brought, brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the what? The Sabbath. You were, in other words, you were once slaves. God rescued from you from that. Now keep the Sabbath. Like, wait, what? Like, how, how does the logic fit? Well, the whole idea is this. As slaves, do you get a Sabbath? No. You work, you work, you work, you work. 
Slaves don't Sabbath. You live under the oppression. You live under the master, the, the tyranny of the urgent. Sabbath is a practice that keeps you from living as a slave. It keeps you from getting sucked into the tyranny of all that the world would declare so necessary and so important, and it teaches you a new way of freedom. It teaches you that you don't actually need all that stuff. You don't actually even need all that information. You don't need all that activity in order to gain depth of being or to even gain rest for your souls. It's not found in the stuff. It's not found in the activity. It's found in the stop of life, wherein the blessing of God's presence is found and where there is a resistance against the bondage of busyness. Sabbath is a blessing of rest. It is a blessing of resistance. All right, so now, with just a few minutes, what do we do with that? All right, what, what do we do with this? It seems as though God, God placed it into the fabric of creation. That's pretty significant. He commanded his people, at least in the Old Testament, to keep to this Sabbath, so you, they might have rest, so they might resist the temptation to be in bondage to the busyness of life. But how do we, how do we appropriate this? What does this look like for New Testament believers? Because some would say, well, didn't Jesus come and fulfill that law? Right? Didn't he fulfill that law? Aren't we now just kind of free to live? Isn't every day Sabbath with Jesus because well, he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us? He's always with us, he's in us by his spirit, so every day is rest, right? And in some sense, that's true. And, and in another sense, in the New Testament, we'll talk about one day rest is coming. A true Sabbath is one day coming when Jesus returns and makes all things new. So what is the Sabbath today? Is it every day? Is it one day to come? How are we supposed to do this Sabbath thing? Well, I think within our day, we need a 24-hour stop to life. And I'll say it this way. I, I, came, I started studying through this stuff, and I was like, oh, this is not what I'm doing. There is no stop to life right now for me, to, for my family. It is, we, 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 we veg on movies when we feel tired. That's not Sabbath. What that is, is just creating more distraction, right? It's, it's, it's kind of trying to unwind the mind from all the busyness and stuff we have to think about. It's not, it's not Sabbath, at least the way God has designed it. So I think, I think the Western world needs to probably appropriate a full 24-hour-a-week stop to life. It's not law, so don't receive it as legalistic. But I also think we got to be careful of just negotiating it down to nothing. Right? We need a stop to life. What might that look like? If we would actually be like, hey, I need this stop to life. Like, God's created it that way. I need time with him apart from the daily doses that I might already be getting. What might Sabbath 
look like? Well, here's what, and you want to be careful because I don't want you to hear this as law. This is suggestion. This is wisdom for how God has created us. We should take a 24-hour stop to life to do only what would give my body rest and serve my soul in a way in which I might delight in the Lord. Okay, so 24-hour stop to life where I'm focused on resting my frame, but also then edifying my spirit. I'm going to do the things that either grant me physical rest or spiritual edification. Everything else doesn't get into that space. Right? I'm a 24-hour stop to life for physical frame, for spiritual edification. Now, does that mean, okay, i got to like be reading the Bible all day? No. God has given us many things to delight in. If you can be edified by drinking a good cup of coffee, go get a cup of coffee and make it about the Lord, right? If, if you can uh, delight in the Lord by, you know, doing exercise, maybe you like exercise, go do exercise. And if you don't, don't, right? That's the whole, I want my spirit man to be edified. But some of us need the, we need the physical work in order to, like, uh, get that energy out so we can actually just maybe sit and meditate. It's to do the things that your heart would just delight in and learn. So if it's, if it's sitting around the, the, the table with family or whatever and begin talking about the things of the Lord, well, then do it, right? It's to find ways to just delight in the Lord, but cut all this crap out. Cut it. No buying, no running, no errands. Probably best, no screens. I'm just going to say it. You're addicted to screens. Can we just say this? You are addicted. I don't know anyone who's not. Anyone who carries a phone around in their pocket is addicted. One of the things that James has been saying, as a church, if we want to get serious about this, we need to start sharing our screen time. I told him, I don't even want to share my screen time. But that's the point, isn't it? It has to uproot the addiction that it is within our lives, right? Phones, screens are made, are made to be addictive. So you're staring at this rather than actually having a relationship with the person next to you. And if you're staring at this, how can you have a relationship with the one who's over you? You see? There's got to be a stop to life where we're beginning to fast from the social media and the, the, the distractions of life, the stuff of life, the thinking, the buying, the dream of, of all the things that the world can afford us is slowing down and saying, I got 24 hours, 24 hours to give rest to this frame and to give spiritual nourishment to my soul. God says, I want to invade that space and I promise to be this for you but you got to come to a st stop. So that's the aim of the Sabbath. Physical rest, spiritual nourishment. But you may also be like, how, okay, like that may be the aim, but how do I even get into a rhythm like that? I'm not, I have not mastered this. We're not doing this as a thing. We've had conversations about it. Uh, but Old Testament and even the Jewish community today still does this kind of stuff. 
you know, of course, Sabbath day was Saturday for the Jewish community. Now for the early church, you know, Sabbath became Sunday because that's Jesus' resurrection day. So it was like, okay, that's the time that we're going to gather together like we're doing here and give focused attention to the Lord. Now we do this and then we go busy ourselves, right? We sometimes busy ourselves while we're here. Phone. Oh, someone's speaking. Oh, we're singing. Oh, oh, God's supposed to be my attention right now. Oh, like I'm on the phone. Bring our addictions right into the space where God is to be center of attention. There you go. Take that for however you want to take it. All right? But we got, we got to break this stuff. So within the Old Testament and within the Jewish community today, they get to their Friday night. Friday night dinner begins Sabbath until Saturday night. All right? And what they do is pull out a few candles, light a few candles, pour some wine, and read a psalm. In other words, this is the, how they kind of kick things off. There's a starting point, there's an ending point. By the end of the 24-hour period, they gather together as their family, and they pray. They thank God for the rest that they've just received. Right? So, so now you've designed bookends to that 24-hour stop. Okay, here we're starting, everyone's on board, and we're closing it off, right? Now it's back to work. We've received rest. We've thanked the Lord for it. We're moving, right? So you have the aim, physical rest, spiritual nourishment. You have bookends to this particular time. But then don't forget, Old Testament, Friday was preparation day. I don't know anybody that can come to a full-on stop to life without preparing for it, right? So... I'm going to take 24 hours of my day, right? And I'm not going to run errands. I may even turn the phone off. That, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay to turn your phone off. People don't deserve to have your attention when you need to give attention primarily to Jesus. People aren't Jesus. They can't be Jesus for you. To slow the heck down and to even turn off your phone is an okay thing. Just because we have technology for people to get a hold of you at any point of your day does not mean that you are responsible to always get back to them. Sometimes we need to stop all that communication and say, I don't need them, I need Jesus. Okay? So... You have the aim, again, physical strengthening, spiritual nourishment, but then you have the bookends, that's how you'd plan it, but then you got to pre have preparation. you got to arrange my day beforehand to actually bring my life to a stop so I can go about delighting myself in the Lord in specific ways, go enjoying the things I enjoy so I can enjoy Him in it, right? Now, what day is that for you? Is that Sunday? That's traditionally the way it would roll. Remember, life would literally shut down. You couldn't go to the store. Stores aren't open. I can't quite remember back that far, but that was the way I'm told. Right, Tom? Is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. So that's where Chick-fil-A wasn't the exception. It was the rule, right? Life would slow down because we respected this day of rest. 
But now today, many even, I mean, this is the challenge of the church. We gather together on a Sunday, but there's a number of people who have to work, right? So now it's like, well, how do I, how do, how do, I do this? So while the world has pushed Sabbath out of the scope of like what we need, for Christians, we're still saying we need that Sabbath. We need the slowdown. We need to be together with God's people. We need to be focused in on the Lord. And so it becomes a challenge. Good thing the Apostle Paul says, like, don't make a big deal out of the day. Just make sure you're taking some solid time. And I would encourage you, go for the 24-hour period, uh, to, to rest, to stop life so you can focus in on the Lord. All right, I wanted to be able to do this. Any thoughts, any questions that you say, this Sabbath thing, whoa, like I'm not sure I can get my head into, into that. Any questions? Yeah. Um, when you say Sabbath, Sabbath, yeah. Sabbath. Um, what do it mean? Do you know what it means to say the day means? Yes. Right, so, so Sabbath by the word, the word itself means to stop. Right? So, so stopping life means that all the extra activities of like work and errands and just the busyness of life has to come to some like stop. We're setting those things aside, even preparing for that time so that I can give focused attention to the Lord. Je Jesus will say he's the Lord of the Sabbath, right? That's what we read at the beginning, Mark chapter 2. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, when we stop all of life, it's his intention to come and give you rest. He's Lord of it. He's like, I'm, I'm going to invade that space. I want that space for you, and I'm going to come and invade that space and meet you in it. It's part of the reason why we gather on Sundays. Right? Any other questions on this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so that's where the Apostle Paul, uh, Colossians chapter 2, he, he will actually say, don't make a big deal out of when you Sabbath. Right? Don't make a big deal on, on the day, but just make sure it's a part of the rhythm. And, and ideally, as the early church would have done, that was Sundays. Right? We're gathering together, focused attention on the Lord. Saturday is our preparation day. We're going to go do all the busy stuff so we can come together, enjoy the gifts that God has Look around, the gifts that God has given us. And we're going to center our attention. And then we're going to go home and we're going to take a siesta. You know, we're going we're gonna to nap and enjoy the Lord and we're going to enjoy food and, and all those kind of things. But we're going we're gonna to put boundaries to that where we're not doing all the running around. We're going to just kind of bring things in and give some rest spiritually and physically that we need. So Sundays is the traditional day to do this, but... Our world has thrown all kinds of wrenches into that. But it's, it would be good. So even Jody and I have talked about, okay, could we do Saturdays? Since Sundays end up being a busy day, go, go, go for us. Uh, could we do sat Saturdays? Um, and, and so we're playing, playing through those ideas and seeing what best would work. But I think more and more we just need something. You know. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Beth. Yep. So many I, 
<laughs> yeah, and th this has to be a mutual effort in families, right? So moms and dads, maybe some sort of alternating responsibility there or doing things uh, together. Um, but I, I think as parents, we need to be careful of well, thinking for, we, we need to think for one another. What's, what's going to be the most refreshing thing? Maybe it's for me to take the kids for a good chunk of time so Jody can just get out with a friend or two. That's Sabbath. That's fellowship. It's like, if she's recharged in that way, if she's going to be edified in that way, it's like, that's part of Sabbath. Like, that, okay, she's driving and she's doing things. Like, like don't get all legalistic about it. Do whatever edifies. But it's got to be a mutual effort. Uh, let me finish with that. Yeah, now, she, now, now I get it. <laughs> All right. Someone's going to have to surrender. And ultimately, isn't that a picture of Jesus? Jesus sacrificed to give us Sabbath. What do we do in marital relationships? We sacrifice to give one another Sabbath. Right? So we can focus in on the Lord and get physical refreshment. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Yeah. That's that's what we were talking about last night. <laughs> like, how do we do? How do we do this with kids? Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's got to, you know, it's a process. So even for us, it's it's a learning curve. You know, oh yeah, we need this time, but it's going to be a learning curve for our kids. So we need to give them time. But I think at, at least those those bookends of like kids were starting now. Here's the psalm we're reading. And of course, they're going to be, you know, throwing things across the table while you're trying to do that. And if you do, if, if you would even do the candles, like those candles are going to be the massive distraction. Like, I don't know how they did it in Old Testament days or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they're just finding ways to put bookends and structure into the day. I mean, it's going to take that preparation day to even plan, it, you know, and, and for, for us, so it's been... Um, uh, I, I, I wanted to get a bike rack for our van because I want to be able to like load up all the bikes and we're going to the park and this is part of our Sabbath. This is our rest. We're getting out together. And so it was finding a hitch then for I got to put the hitch on the stinking van and then I get the, the, the bike rack and all that kind of stuff to just make that happen. So there's a ton of preparation to then be able to do some of these activities where we can, you know, plan them into the day of Sabbath itself. So again, Sabbath is not just sitting there. Right? That's wilderness. That's solitude. Sabbath is going to have some activity to it, but that activity should cause you to be delighting in the Lord. Oh, we get to enjoy his warmth creation. We get to get out, oh, take in his fresh air. We get to be together as family or whatever it is, you know. It, it's that structuring. But I think we have to give our kids the, kids will be kids, and it'll take a you know, learning curve in order to structure those days and have everyone on board as you go through the day. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're in the learning position as well. What do you think, John? That's good. You know, they, they typically say start small, right? I, I think what God has created, and it's a great question, I think what God has created, a 24-hour period is intentional. 
It's hard. 24 hours to stop and slow down is hard, right? But that's, again, we don't want to be slaves to busy. We don't want to be in bondage to busy. So maybe we should start small, where it's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take this afternoon, or we're going to you know, get into a rhythm of doing Saturday mornings, and uh, maybe we'll be able to expand that. But for now, we're going we're gonna to do bite size. You know, we're going to get in four hours together, and here's what we're going to do. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to read a psalm, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to go enjoy the Lord doing this or doing that. And then we're going to come on the home on the back end of that, and we're going to just thank the Lord for his goodness, and then get busy again. You know? So however it would fit best. Again, um, we want to be careful of the legalistic thing of like, no, it's got to be 24 hours or you're not a Christian. You know? And we have to be careful of saying, well... I can negotiate this thing away because busyness will always contend against whatever space you're giving. And if you're just continuing to shred it down to almost nothing, well, now you've given in to the slavery of busyness. And that's what we want to be careful to rage against, have specific time set aside, start small and build into it. Sound good? Yeah, Nick. Yep, that's it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Get into those rhythms. <laughs> All right. Good. Let me let me bless it, and we'll jump into the final song. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you want time with us. Um, sometimes we don't even want time with ourselves. <laughs> to hear our own thoughts, be faced with who we are. Uh, but Lord, thank you that you love to be with your kids, so much so that you would, you, you would hardwire all of creation to have a stop to life, that you intend to invade 
that you intend to be present with us in. So we thank you for it. Lord, I pray blessing over each one here, Lord, that we would be free from the bondage of busyness, free from the bondage of distraction, and that we would um, be given, be given to that place of rest, to, to get our eyes upon you, to set our hearts delight upon you, to enjoy the many gifts that you've given to us in a worshipful way, even when it comes down to hoagies. We could just say, Lord, this is good. We enjoy it, and it came from your hand, and you're worthy to receive the worship of it, the thanksgiving. So, Lord, whether it's uh, hanging out together, whether it's food that we eat, uh, Lord, teach us this discipline of resting, but also delighting in you. Cause us to slow down, to find time specifically with you. And Lord, we, we, we hold on to the promise that you will bring the rest that our souls so desperately need. So be rest for our weary souls, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I actually want to forego the last song. Uh, I love the song that I picked out to close with. Um, but I just feel like the Lord's saying, like, ask if there's anybody that needs to have prayer ministry. Like, so I'm going to ask. Um, because when it comes to the busyness stuff, um, the victory piece from earlier, like, there is stuff that... Um, if we just transition to a song right now, it's easy for us to be like, eh, eh, don't have to deal with it. Sing the song, leave. Um, and I just feel like maybe there's not anything that we need to deal with and have ministry for, and that's great. Um, but I want to ask. Maybe let's just bow our heads, have some privacy for a minute. Because um, I want you guys to receive what Dan just gave us in... You know, personally, this past week, um, I've been longing for that discipline of solitude. And that's something that, personally, for me, I love solitude. Um, but with young kids in the house, it's really difficult to be have that solitude. And so, p for me, personally, I did not have any, like, positive steps towards actually making that happen this past week. So I failed in that way, um, and I assume I'm probably not the only one. Um, but this series, when it comes to busyness, this is something the Lord's laid uh, on our hearts for, for you uh, to really be free from the go, 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 the busyness. I'm too busy to do this. I'm too busy to be with the Lord. I'm too busy to be with the church. This is something that we feel very strongly from the Lord, and so... It's something that takes discipline. That's why these things are called spiritual disciplines because they take sacrifice and it's going to be painful when you do the discipline. And so it, it requires giving something up to take something else up. Um, and so the Lord brought me um, to Hebrews 4 and there's this, this passage about God's people entering his rest. And we don't have time now to get into all the, the theological depth and, and all of the stuff that's in that text. Um, but at surface level, here's what it says. 
the promise of entering God's rest still stands. And he's talking specifically about our, our final salvation, being with the Lord. That's the rest that he's really talking about. But the pattern of the Sabbath that Dan just talked about is something that we have in part now. That the promise of rest still stands even in part now and in full um, yet to come. But the problem that God's people experienced that prohibited them from entering that rest was rebellion against God. And so while on one level that that full, final, ultimate rest of being in God's presence for eternity with eternal life, uh, while rebellion against God prohibits us from entering that without Christ, at the same time, we can prohibit ourselves from actually having partial rest with him right now by rebelling against him even now. Do Do you catch that? Like, if we're walking in disobedience, if we're walking in the flesh, we are not entering into that partial rest that we have been given as a blessing from the Lord. And so in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, let us strive to enter that rest. There's a striving that has to take place to get to the rest. And as we read from Matthew 11, that's a striving of laying aside to be with Christ. And so, Lord, I just want to pray right now that if there are areas where our church family has just felt enslaved, things of the flesh, um, patterns of busyness, um, a feeling of that, like, we need to do more work and we need to get this done and that done. Lord, I pray that you would just bring those things to light. Lord, even in my own heart, the, the discipline of solitude and, and my failure in even 10 minutes of solitude this week. Lord, we can't be a people that just hears the word. And so, Lord, would you, would you just come now and, and minister to us? Lord, reveal the areas of our heart where we need to change. Lord, we want to be people who are striving to enter into your rest, both in part now and in full through Christ for eternity. So with our heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anybody now that would just say like, yes, I need prayer ministry for something specific to let go of it? Okay. Is there anybody else that would say like, I need this prayer ministry? Okay. Um. Let's just do this. I want to. I'll close in prayer, and if you guys would hang back and and come forward, um, and if I could have Caitlin and Jody hang back to help pray for the ladies. Um, anybody else? The offer still stands. If you need prayer ministry, if you're if you're just like all wrapped up in the anxiety and the busyness of life and the flesh, uh, need prayer ministry for that. Let me know. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Lord, as we dismiss now um, and, and have some pr- time of prayer ministry, Holy Spirit, I pray um, just for each one as they leave that these truths and these blessings that you have given to us, um, that they would just continue um, 
that this, the soil of our hearts, Lord, would just be plowed through. Um, Lord, we want to have soft, tender, obedient hearts that, that are in just enthralled to respond to you with obedience. And so, Lord, I pray, even as we go home, that we would be striving to enter your rest. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing upon each person. I pray that your face would shine upon them, um, that you would give them peace and that you would give them rest and that even next week we would have testimonies of, yes, I laid this down and this is how the Lord met me. This is how I experienced freedom in the Lord this week. So, Lord, I pray for those testimonies this week. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. If you need uh, prayer ministry, just hang back and come get it. And the rest of you guys are dismissed. I love you all. Have a wonderful week.